Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, maybe you're going through a storm right now. I've gone through many storms. They are unwanted, but God works his purpose through them. And so the storms of life change us. That's why one of my all-time favorite films is Twister, 1996. When Joe is a little girl, a tornado hits her farm. Her dad is killed. He's swept away by an F5 tornado. And the tornado creates a father wound in her heart. And she becomes obsessed with tornadoes. So she grows up to be a tornado chaser. Not for the thrill of it, but to find out how tornadoes work so that people have more time to get to safety so that not one more little girl will have to lose her dad like she did. And her obsession works out, leaks out into her marriage, leads to the breakup of her marriage. So the film picks up with her husband, Bill, coming with divorce papers. But it's on a day a massive tornado system is moving into Oklahoma and Bill, who used to be on the tornado chasing team, gets swept into the tornado chasing. It's an amazing movie, great special effects, but this great message. And the storms of that day change Bill and Joe. Joe, things go wrong. You can't explain it. You can't predict it. Killing yourself won't bring your dad back. I'm sorry he died, but it was a long time ago. You gotta move on. Stop living in the past and look at what you got right in front of you. What are you saying? Me, Joe. I love how films and stories, you know, reflect the bigger story that we're in, the God story that we're in. The storms of that day do change Bill and Joe, and they realize there's no one else they would rather be with for the rest of their lives, and they don't get that divorce. And it's just pretty sweet. Long ago, there was another storm that changed a man named Peter from the inside out. Jesus had sent Peter and the rest of the disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up on a mountain to pray. In the disciples' minds and in the minds of people of that time, the sea was a place of darkness, the abyss, ghosts, and demons. And suddenly they see Jesus walking on the water because they've been struggling against the waves, and Jesus knows this, but they think he's a beast from the abyss. And they're terrified. They're horrified. And Jesus says to them, he must have shouted it because the wind and waves were so strong. It is I. Don't be afraid. It is I, in the original language, is literally I am. Don't be afraid. I am is with you. Who is this guy saying I am? Peter sort of gets it. So he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and sinks. But then, of course, we throw Peter Peter under the bus, when in reality, all the disciples should have been jumping out of the boat to get to Jesus. Why? Because Peter realized something. This boat isn't safe. All the things in my life that I've been trusting in, finding my identity from, aren't safe. That's why he got out of the boat. Jesus sends us into the storm to change us, to show us what we're trusting in, who we're trusting in. He doesn't want me trusting my accomplishments. He doesn't want me to make an idol of my ministry, my work, 
my family. He doesn't want me to trust in myself in any way. But you know what? I do. And so I need the storms, just like you need the storms. So he sends us into them to show us what we trust in and to show us that all we need is him. Isn't it crazy that what we think is our safe place, you know, where we feel comfy and cozy, is not the safe place. It's out. It's keeping our eyes focused on him, whether we're in the boat or whether we're out on the water. He is our safe place. Mm -hmm. And it takes a storm to realize that? I think it does. You know, I mean, I think when... Because it's when our own security gets rocked a little bit. Those places that we think, you know, are safe when suddenly they're they're not as rock solid as what we thought they were, that we realize Jesus is our safe place. And, mm-hmm. you know, scary as it is, scary is not bad. If scary brings a realization of who Jesus is and helps us to ultimately see him as our safe place, then scary is not bad. I know that for me... I've been having some issues with my my chest, and I've been thinking it's my heart. So I had a stress test. I passed a stress test with flying colors, and yet I'm still having these issues with my chest and this pain and this ache. And so, you know, sometimes it's our health. Lord, the Lord will, you know, sometimes take away our health or or make us think about our health so that we realize, oh, don't trust in your health. Trust in me, you know, because we live in a fallen, broken world and eventually this body's going to break down. Right. And if I'm trusting in, you know, where I'm at physically right now and not the Lord, you know, that, that needs to be shaken from me as well. Yeah, there is, a, there is a reality in the safety of who we are in Christ that there's more for us to understand of that. Hmm. So the call today is for you and me to get out of the boat to let go of anything that we're looking to for life and security and look to Him alone. God sees in you what you probably cannot see in yourself, and it's good. Judges 6.12 says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years He gave them into the hands of of the Midianites. And the Midianites were the bad guys. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites came in, as well as the Amalekites and other Eastern peoples. They invaded the country and they ruined the crops of the Israelites. So the Israelites had a practice of just hiding out in the caves and in the clefts in the mountains. So Gideon is an Israelite. And where we pick up in the story here with Gideon, he's threshing wheat in a wine press which is not efficient, it's really quite sad, but he's hiding out because wine presses were down in the ground and he figured there he wouldn't be seen by the Midianites and he could do what he needs to do and get some food made. So he's hiding out when this angel of the Lord appears to him and listen to what this angel says. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So this guy's hiding out, threshing wheat in a wine press And he gets called a mighty warrior. Gideon wasn't behaving like a mighty warrior in any way, shape, or form. He was acting afraid and he was acting insecure. But God came to him while he was acting completely opposite of who God created him to be and told him two things. One, who God is, I am, is with you, Emmanuel, right here, right now. You know, God is with you. And number two, he told him who Gideon was. 
He said, you're a mighty warrior. And we're not defined. This tells me as I look at the scripture that we're not defined by our behavior. Our identity isn't shaped by how we're acting out. You're not what you do. You're not what you own. And you're not what other people think of you. Your identity was established by the one who created you. And because he determined it for you, it doesn't depend on you. This just makes me think of the gospel. This is what the gospel does. You know, we come with our brokenness and our sin and our rebellion and our, you know, our unhealthy ways of living life. And and Jesus comes to us unexpectedly and he says, I choose you. I choose you. And then it says, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And when, when God recreates us in Christ, we become enabled to be who God created us to be, to walk into being the image bearers that we originally were. And we never lose that image, but sin destroys it. But then in Christ, we begin being renewed in the image of God. So this is really the gospel. It is. We don't lose the gospel or we don't lose who we were, who God created us to be. We, we just lose sight of it. So mm-hmm. it didn't ever go away. It wasn't lost or gone. It's just that we can't see it. We forget. We forget. We forget who we are. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that is honestly walking out the gospel, living out the gospel is living into, back to mm-hmm. who God created us to be in the very beginning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, which he gives us when we put our faith in Jesus. Yeah. It's the reconciliation of reality, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Gideon, you know, God created Gideon to be a mighty warrior and he didn't feel like a mighty warrior. He didn't act like a mighty warrior. He felt insecure. He felt afraid, but he was mighty and he was a warrior and God needed, Gideon needed to know who God was. First of all, I am God and I am with you. That was like, that's foundational, right? I am God. I am with you. And then he needed to know who he was and then he needed to start acting like it. You know, God's looking at this grand story that he's writing and he's like, I need a mighty warrior. Oh, Gideon, Gideon's a mighty warrior. I'm going to call on Gideon. And so he called out the true identity of who Gideon was created to be so that Gideon could start to behave like it. (laughs) And when Gideon started acting like who he actually was, his behavior kind of caught up with what God had, you know, believed about him and, and told him from the beginning. I mean, that's my story. You know, as I lived lived my life and tried to walk with Jesus as a teenager, I miserably failed. I've shared this story a lot, but maybe you're new to Moody Radio. And I was at my moral worst when I was 18, and, and Jesus came to me, and he started a— he began to transform my heart and show me that he loved me as I was, not as I should be. And then— Maybe a year later, I was at a little church called Shiloh Temple in Sheboygan, Michigan, little Pentecostal church, and and I just, I felt God's hand on me, and and uh, Clyde Carter was the pastor there, mm. and he could see God working in my life, and he called me to come up, and he prayed for me, and, you know, he he had some encouragement for me that God was wanting me to be his messenger, and that 
I would take his message to even other countries. Now, I'm 19 years old, and I'm just coming out of the the chaos of a t- being a teenager. I don't know about you, but a teenager is, is a hard time mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. And he's saying, God wants you to take his message to the nations. And I couldn't even dream of really getting out of Sheboygan. Right. <laughs> felt <laughs> they, like a far-fetched. But he called it out in me and it, yeah. and it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just got a text from one of our listeners who said, you know, I'm not hiding out in a cave, but I am hiding out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thank God that he surrounded me with those who call on his name and point me back to him. If there's a gap right now in your life between who, who God says you are and how you're behaving, the only thing that is needed to cross that gap is for you to begin acting like who God says you are. Do you know who you are? If you are in Christ, if you are following Christ, if you are trusting Christ, you get an unshakable identity. This is what God says about you. Apart from anything you can do or achieve or accomplish or succeed in, apart from your greatest failures and your greatest shame, you are mine. You are chosen, loved, rescued, and cherished. When this truth sinks deep into your and my heart, it works in us a humble confidence, an identity that gives us the power to heal our world. Our world needs people who are humble and confident. Here's Brian Olick. He's the lead pastor at Engedi Church in Holland. When your identity is in Christ, it starts to produce a humble kind of confidence in your life. When your identity is not in Christ, honestly, it's hard to be consistently confident. Because if your identity is not in Christ, it's always about having to achieve something. You always have to get up in the morning, group identity or self-actualization. You always have to ask, am I, am I living up to what I need to be? Am I proving it? And some days you feel good, like, yeah, I'm kind of getting it. And then you're around, maybe you've had this, I know I have. And then you're around somebody who's better than you are, and now you feel insecure again, right? And then other days you just feel like you're blowing it all together because you're not living up to the identity that you're trying at least to create. Friends, can I just put it this way to you? I wake up every day, and I'm not saying I live out this perfectly, not by any means, but I wake up and I have confidence in the morning, not because of my external accomplishments. I have confidence in the morning because I know Christ's love is present in my life. That's where I'm basing my sense of identity. And the beautiful thing about that is when you're living out of an identity in Christ, it's not just that you have confidence, but it's a humble kind of confidence. Have you ever met confident people that they're just confident all the time and they're almost annoying because they're kind of arrogant about it, right? Whatever they do is awesome. Whatever they think is awesome. If you're sitting by one of those people, don't throw them an elbow right now, right? You don't want to, but, but it's just tough to be around those people. That's not how Christians ought to be. Christians ought to have humble confidence. Why? We have confidence because we know we are accepted, loved, and delighted in, in Christ. But we are humble because we know we didn't earn or deserve any of it. It's all a gift of Jesus. It's humble confidence. Yeah, the cross humbles me because it shows me that I was that much of a mess, that Jesus had to come and die for me, but it also lifts me up and exalts me because the cross shows me that God thought I was worth that much that he would send his son to die for me. And that's what God's working in my heart, a humble 
confidence and I have to just continually come back to the gospel for this humility and this confidence to fill my life. Sometimes I need to be humbled because my pride is getting in the way, or sometimes I need to be built up and lifted up and shown how much God treasures me. I think there is a real subtleness in humility. I think sometimes we hear, you know, the word humble or, you know, the Christians were called to be humble and we think that that means lowly, you know, less than kind of a a definition of humble, where when we understand the reality of how safe we are in God, how loved we, I don't remember exactly how he put it, but something about like, I, when I just know that I'm loved by God, like I don't have to strive to earn it from other people or win their favor. I can just settle in right there in that confidence. I hear, I hear you talking about what I hear you saying is that humility is not self-hatred. Right. Right. It's not self-hatred. It's not self-loathing or saying, oh, I'm nothing. It's saying I'm I'm held, I'm loved, I'm secure, I'm good. I don't have to earn it from you. I don't have to prove myself to you. There's just a, a confidence that's that allows you to kind of just settle in. And here's a test to here's a test for you and me to show whether we are humbly confident. When you get criticism, what happens when I get criticism, when you get criticism? You know, if I'm if I'm confident in Christ, I've been humbled by the cross. I see what I deserve, but I've been lifted up by the cross. I see how much I'm loved. Then I'm secure, not in myself, my own performance, but I'm secure in Christ. And I welcome criticism because I want to get better. I want to grow. Yeah, because you're not like, it, it doesn't mean that you're not okay. You know what I mean? The peace that you have, the confidence that you have comes from outside of yourself. So if the performance is about or the criticism is about performance, mm-hmm. it doesn't rattle you or shake you because that's not where your identity is found. Right. And so it frees me up to be able to receive criticism and to grow in those areas that aren't lining up with Jesus. And and I have to say, in real time, I often get defensive, but that just reminds me, okay, get your identity back in Jesus, Perry, and listen, listen to what's being said because you can grow from this. We're on a mission to help you take the next step in your walk with Jesus as we take the next step with you, because we're in this journey as well. And part of that, I think a big part of taking your next step in your walk with Jesus and becoming like him is understanding who you are to him, who he sees you to be. And we take our cues from scripture. So let's look at Romans 12, 6. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And my takeaway from this scripture is God is saying to you and me, you are gifted You have a gift. You know, if it's prophesying, use it in proportion to your faith. If it's serving, serve and so forth. But whatever God has given you to do, it is who you are. God says, you know, you are gifted. I think we can look at people around us and think, you know, I'm not as gifted as. But you have a, a grace over you to be an expression to the world around you of who Jesus is. 
It's yeah. a gift. And, you know, some gifts seem more glamorous than others, but every gift is so important. And I ask myself, what are the purpose of the gifts? The purpose of the gifts are not to bring attention to myself, but are to build others up. Mm-hmm. We're to be builders in this world. We're to build the kingdom. We're to build other people up, whether they're inside or outside God's family. We use our gifts to build. Lord, help me be a builder is what I get from this. Yeah. I mean, like if, if you were a doctor, you know, a doctor is highly educated, esteemed, like, oh, wow, he's a doctor. But the purpose of a doctor is to heal others. It's not to be elevated. It's not a status. Mm-hmm. It's I want to be a part. And there's some dirty work involved in that too, but I want to be a part in bringing healing to other people. And in our giftedness, all, and all of us have gifts. We are to bring honor and glory to God. How do you, okay, I know I'm throwing this at you. Okay. How have you discovered, let's just say one of your gifts. How, how have you discovered one of those? Oh, wow. Um, I know that I have the gift of faith. Okay. And Which means? Which means I have um, the ability to believe that God is going to do God-sized things mm. in the middle of the ordinary. <laughs> I expect that. Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely, um, I've heard, how did I discover it is the question, right? Yeah. From other people sharing with me, I see this in you. You have uh, the ability to believe for things that I am don't naturally believe for. Yeah. And it's an encouragement to the world around me because, and points to Jesus, because in the midst of circumstances that seem dire, I can see that God is up to good things. Yeah. I love that. I love that gift. And I think that one of the things we can do is help others realize their gift by doing the same thing. I see this, you know, I see this in you, Shauna, that you have the ability to believe God for great things when things look really dark. You know, to say that to our friends, to be spiritual gift cheerleaders. Yeah, let's do it. Let's call out (laughs) the giftedness in one another. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.